Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's Monday, so on today's show, you've got your weekend box office analysis with lots of Star Wars talk. Cats, apparently, it's still a work in progress. And hey, look, a new Mutants trailer is on the way. Still happening. Or at least we think it's still happening. We'll get into that more in a little bit. I am your host, Perry Nemeroff, and I'm sitting at this table with Scott Menzel and John Roca. Sup, guys? Hello. How are you doing? Happy holidays. How are you doing? Happy holidays to you, too. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Happy Hanukkah, Hanukkah, like, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Day two. Day two. Day two. two. I completely forgot that day one was when it was. Mm. I don't know why my my calendar was off. I'm way behind in my gift buying. It's a problem, but we're going to get it taken care of soon. I saw a baby Yodica today. A baby Yoda what? Baby Yodica, which is Baby Yoda in a Hanukkah with a, yeah. with a what do you call those things? Yamaka. Yamaka on top. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. I don't even understand the what this was. They had oh, the scarf. So oh, they like made a one for yeah. Christmas okay. and they made one for Hanukkah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what people do on the internet. Baby Yodica. Can you send this to me? I'd like to see that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into this box office report right now. So here is the top five for you Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, topped the charts, of course, with $175.5 million. Then it was Jumanji, the next level, with $26.1 million, followed by Frozen 2 at number 3 with $12.3 million. Then it was Cats, oi, Cats, opening up at number 4 with $6.5 million, followed right behind by Knives Out, which is still holding strong with $6.1 million. We got to jump into the hot topic here. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, $175.5 million. Are you guys surprised? Not really. Mm. Not really. I mean, you look at the box office for Force Awakens, then Last Jedi, and then this, they've been on a downward slope. And I think the initial excitement for Force Awakens had people going to see it no matter what. Not everyone was in love with that movie. Force Awakens made people even more... I'm sorry, uh, Last Jedi made people even more angry. And then... I think a lot of people checked out, and there's less excitement for this movie than ever before. Yeah, and as, you know, it's rare that you see them match up with the prognosticators, right? The 175 is what people were saying uh, on the low side, and it almost nailed it completely. And that was pretty shocking. I mean, we debated this last week, Perry. You asked me, and I, I can't remember who else was on, and we thought it might go over. But it ended up being under, and you said 175, probably around there, a little bit more, maybe 190, and they got 176. This tells you those, those, Splits in the reviews, 
I think affected a lot of people. And the Rotten Tomatoes score is like just above Solos. That says volumes about how people feel about this trilogy, about this movie, and about the um, legs that this thing will have. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I think the reviews themselves were going to be mixed. I, I, I think I knew that going into this movie. Oh, okay. Because I, was hoping I, they I, I felt like after Last Jedi, even though the initial reviews for that movie came out and I felt like they were more positive... I had just had a feeling there was so many people who rewatched that movie and they, they, they went back and either rewrote another review or re-edited their review and lowered the score. Wait, what? For Last Jedi. You think people, that people, people did that? People actually went in. I know I personally did. Oh, wow. I watched the movie again and I like literally said, like, I'm going to have to... And like, you changed your initial review of the movie? Yeah, and lowered wow. the score. Interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I think what, what the thing is with this is that we need to be talking about how there's a $75 million difference from the first time this started to now and how big that is. Because if this was any other franchise, there would not be any more coming in a very long time. Yeah, this, this, is a, this isn't a good sign for them, I don't think. I mean, you don't look at $175.5 million and say that's like a minimal to right. nothing opening. We're still talking about a ton of money here. But when you look at the trend that the Star Wars film franchise has been seeing over the last couple of years, there's no denying the fact that it's on, you know, a little bit of a downward trend, especially compared to some of the other franchises mm-hmm. out there. And I think that Disney had a more conservative uh, prediction with 165 million, but most most people who do box office predictions were closer to like 200, mm. thinking that it would at the very least top that and come closer to the Last Jedi than it did. I myself said 190, mm. and I thought I was going low on it. 175.5 was was a little bit of a shock, and. I don't know. I just think that maybe a little break from Star Wars on the big screen could be just what the franchise needs. But going back to what you were saying about mixed reviews, it is an interesting topic to cover right now and how that affected box office because J.J. Abrams has been out and about with uh, with screenings mm. and Q&As and everything. And he did just do a, a, I believe it was an Academy screening of the movie. And during that screening, he was asked about the reaction to the movie. And uh, here is what he said in response to the film's critics. He said... I'd say the film's critics are right. The people who love it more than anything are also right. We knew going in, and I was asked just seven hours ago, so how do you go about pleasing everyone? And I was like, what? Not to say that that should be what anyone tries to do anyway, but how would one even go about it, especially with Star Wars? I would would encourage people out there to actually go on Twitter and listen to, you know, the tone of his voice as he says all of these things, because it's very important but another quote to tack on here is just they were talking a little bit about outrage culture Mm. and here's what he said about that we live in a moment where everything seems to immediately default to outrage and there's an mo of it's either exactly as i see it or you're my enemy but it's a crazy thing that there is such a norm that seems to be devoid of nuance and compassion this is not about star wars this is about everything and acceptance it's a crazy moment so we knew starting this any decision we made a design decision a musical decision a narrative decision would please someone and infuriate someone else you had a big reaction I to did. I think, the first half. So yeah. what's, what's 
say you. I, it's an interesting quote. I mean, because the film is essentially trying to please everybody. So to all of a sudden be like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I found that yeah. to be a, a little bit disingenuous. Not that J.J.'s a disingenuous person. I think J.J.'s in a very, very difficult position. Look, he took this thing on. Then he didn't have time to do the second one because, the, you know, Disney was like, we're going to do this, this, and this. These are the dates. Hit it or you're out. And so he was like, I, I, this exhausted me enough. I'm going to roll out of here. Comes back. Tries to pick up the pieces from what happened in The Last Jedi, from what happened with the Trevor O decision, and try to put this thing together. Press the pressure that people felt that Last Jedi was seen as a negative film or split the fandom. How to put and bring them back together. Uh, the pressure of Mandalorian getting all this love. So there's all kinds of things that were involved here. And he did his best he could. But that quote does not feel very genuine to me that he's surprised about, oh, why would I want to think about fan service? That is absolutely what yeah. was the focus of this movie. And he knew it. And he knew the it. the first one. Yes. With Force Awakens. I'm sorry. Because it brings the original it, trilogy yeah, back yeah. in. And I think the problem with this is, is that Disney and Lucasfilm we're supposed to have three different directors. That was the, the game plan for this. They decided after Ryan Johnson came in and people had that negative reaction to it, we're going to go back to what people preferred, and they did that. And it was unfortunate for J.J. to take on this responsibility because not only did he have to worry about the fandom, but he also had the unfortunate loss of Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. who yeah. passed away, and had story. to deal with that and have to put that into the into this film. Um, but I mean, I agree with you that just the the fact that he's like sitting there, like oh, I don't know, we can't win everyone. It's like no, you can't, mm-hmm. but like you try to. Let's yeah. let's be yeah. honest. And you even like slapped Rain Johnson in the face by some of the decisions that you made. Basically saying, like, your film was not good. And even some of the characters that were introduced in that film, how they somehow disappeared from this one. Yeah, right. Like, poor Rose. She was oh, marginalized. Uh, it oh felt to me God. like they only they only put her in because J.J. had to put her in. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, JJ, I, I don't Here, know. Work I, on the plane in the background. Right. I mean, this is a woman who ran to yeah. all the adventures. Now, all of a sudden, she doesn't want to take part in the adventure. Yeah. That makes no That's sense. Right. And then I the, think what made that even worse yeah. was the way Finn was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, right? I feel like he didn't tap her on the shoulder for whatever reason. No. I would have been a little less upset should, The meme should be like, friend zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should totally yeah. be like that. And it's terrible. But also the new characters they brought in, all they did was to prop up other people. Why is Zori coming in to prop up that Poe Dameron is straight as hell, everybody, yeah. and then then gives her her most precious thing to him upon meeting him. I was just like, what is this all about? Or about seeing him again? I just thought it was, I think there were a lot of mistakes here story-wise. So when JJ talks about fan service, you can do fan service and be innovative. You can be do fan service and be smart. Look at the MCU. A lot of fan service is in those MCU movies, yet they're still innovative and brilliant and smart and inventive, and they get to these points that are emotionally taxing and moving for a lot of people. So it is possible they just didn't get it done in the trilogy, in my opinion. Well, to be fair with Zori, I feel like those moments were also to give us a little insight into her history with Poe and Poe's background and where he came from and what it took for him to rise up as a resistance leader because that's really what his whole journey has been about, not being as good of a leader as Leia and needing to kind of reconcile his past and with himself in the moment in order to, you know, build himself but, up into the leader we see towards the end of the movie. Sure. But why do they put these great actresses in these roles? 
And then and they don't do anything with them. Yeah, she had like, no separate had life no, outside like, of Poe. That's, that's also the challenge of introducing new characters in the final stage yeah. of a trilogy, right. too. Right. I, I mean, it was pretty much bound to happen. And for all we know, they could be teeing up some of these newer characters for, for more things no. to come. <laughs> but, you know, in the case of Carrie Russell and Naomi Aki, not to turn this into a review, yeah. I do think that they made the biggest possible impression with what they had. Absolutely. And, and I did enjoy that part. But mm -hmm. these quotes actually remind me a little bit of what we talked about with Ryan Johnson yeah. last yeah. week where, you know, they're, they're kind of right in the sense that, and yes, I know some of the things in this movie do read as fan service, and part of me did not like certain decisions mm. that felt very heavy-handed in that respect, but also I, I kind of can't blame them to a degree because I think one of the biggest problems we've seen with this trilogy is a lack of, of architecture and structure that was set out from the very beginning. Yeah. And, you know, J.J. wasn't the one spearheading the right. entire thing. He was called in to finish this one out. And if this was how he, you know, he saw this was the best way for him to do that, I kind of understand where certain decisions came from, even right. though they might not have been executed well. But he is right in the fact that you kind of... It's almost like trying to reverse engineer a movie to, yeah. to, from from reaction and then walk in your. You can't do that because he he is right in the fact that you're not going to please everybody ever, and that's pretty sure. much what Ryan Johnson said. And he's also not wrong about the the state of the culture right now. And you know, I think at the Collider dot com article they pointed out that that might uh, stem from anonymity on the internet where. You could say whatever you want, and you are very rarely held accountable for it. So you are either going to love, love, love something to the point that everybody who doesn't love it is wrong, or you're on the complete opposite side doing mm -hmm. the same thing. There's very little middle ground right now, which which is a little scary. But yes. yeah, you know, that's so. that's not to say that both groups that are on like really extreme sides that that they're wrong and they're mean and they're not all toxic. They could just be super passionate and respectful about sure. that. But we are definitely in a position where there's very little middle space now. Well, and I think that's the critic's job. All of us in this sphere, our job is to try to find the no the middle. It is to actually honestly dissect the film without vitriol. It is to say, this: these are the mistakes. This is what I liked. This is what I didn't like. I felt like our Collider Spoiler Review was very honest in that way. We talked about the positives and the negatives of them. We fully, so we could have a full discussion. That's our responsibility. Maybe it's small rocks against a large wall, but at least we're doing something. And I think most... Critics need to take that responsibility to do that. I see some critics slide into vitriol with some movies, and it really pisses me off because it just adds and gives fire to these people who are trolling on the Internet, both positively and negatively, to hate the other side. And it's it's unfortunate because the middle ground is where we need to be and where we can learn and actually discover things and actually get better as we go forward when we're appreciating or looking at these films. And, and what I think is also interesting is that we're, we've become so obsessed with, like, ranking and yeah. like how we like something and how if we like one thing oh it's of course you like this um which is this is going to be funny because to me all three of these new star wars movies i feel exactly the same way about them i oh, don't wow. i don't really have a love for them i don't have a hate for them i walk out of them and i'm like there's a lot of things i like there's a lot of things i don't like and they're like a five or a six out of ten. Every single one of them. Wow. Because they all have their moments where I think they really work. And then they all do something that totally makes me angry or like says, like, why is this in here? Mm. 
But I feel like indifferent. That is the perfect way to describe my reaction towards this new trilogy. Indifferent. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's it's our job as critics yeah. to find the middle ground or force ourselves to see the middle ground. It's more so, you know, whether you're in the middle, whether you're super positive or super negative, you just you kind of like state your point, but you you back it up fairly. I feel like even if I strongly dislike a movie, the second I get you know like like mean about it, especially because I think about it all the time, how many thousands of people work on one single yes. movie, and there's never a place to do that, but there is a place for for like the fives and the sixes out of sure. reviews. It doesn't only have to be positive or negative, but I'm never going to force myself to see that middle ground if it doesn't exist. This just happens to be a case where right. I do think it exists. Right. Yeah. My point is that the, the, un, the unnecessary vitriol when reviewing a yes. film. That's my point. Yeah, mm. the middle ground is is to seek. I don't say you have to change your opinion or whatever. I'm saying <laughs> when it's a film that has both positive and negative, make sure you highlight that in review. Make sure you talk about that in reviews. Sometimes people just want to totally destroy a film for the joy of destroying a film. Oh, a lot and of I people think love that. Yeah, and I think that yeah, maybe you like the clicks, maybe enjoy that, but it also leads to the toxic culture. So don't do that and then cry about the toxic culture because you're contributing to the toxic yes. culture by being unusually vitriolic or mean in your review when it's not necessary. No one needs to see you show off how angry you oh, are. Oh, and I, no I, one does. And I just want to point out like. Like the last time I was here, like I, I, I made the mistake of reading some of the comments from the show, and it was it was very interesting. <laughs> Never do that, it brother. was it was very interesting reading them because like people were like, "Man, Scott's always trying to argue with Perry." Blah blah blah, and I'm like, "I'm not arguing with her. I'm just saying how I Couldn't feel." Couldn't have been that big of an yeah, argument because yeah. I don't remember what we would have been arguing <laughs> about. But I'm just like, it was kind of funny because it's, it's like people have this disconnect. Like if you disagree with someone, mm-hmm. like you can't just disagree with them and like move on. Like, it's fine. Like, we see things right, differently. There's right. nothing wrong with that. One of yeah. Best, one That's of the best compliments great we... thing about movies in general, right? They connect mm-hmm. with people in some ways, and then, then there's a disconnect with others. Right. One of the best compliments we got on the spoiler review, people saying, this was a well-rounded discussion, yes. both positively and negatively, and I felt like you guys get, had an honest discussion about the film, and nobody got mad at each other and just moved on. I was like, yeah. yes, yeah. that's what we have to do. I mean, that's the important thing mm-hmm. is when uh, – like let's say I really dislike a movie and you love it. The second I find myself crossing that line of <laughs> yeah. feeling like I'm convincing you not to like that, like that is so that is so so wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's all about just stating your opinion, backing it up, and not forcing somebody else to kind of you know blend into what you think. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So everyone yeah, can have an opinion. Right. But going back to to box office because this. This situation does kind of, you know, lay out the future a little for Star Wars and what yeah. the possibilities are. Is this opening number? Is this response? Is, you know, the Rotten Tomato score versus the audience score? All of this combined, what does this say to you about the future of Star Wars on the big screen? Do you think they're going to pump the brakes for a significant amount of time? Do you think the next film is going to be something completely different from the Skywalker saga? What's the next best step? I don't think we're going to get that uh, Rain Johnson trilogy. No way. I don't think so. I, I think it's... There's going to be a lot of restructuring and a lot of thinking, um, you know, especially one of the things, again, because we, we love comparing things is over the weekend, there was so much of this Mandalorian mm. is so much better than this. And like, again, two different types of things. It's mm. a different type of Star, Star Wars story. Um, but I think seeing how whether it's been a spinoff movie, like a turn of like an individual movie mm. or it's been part of a franchise, how there's been very few that have lived up to the expectations that Disney and Lucas put out. 
I think they're going to really restructure. I mean, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some controversial decisions made in the next couple of years yeah. about who's running and running it on top. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 it's tough to say. You don't. I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. This, it's the holidays, and I don't want to say anything mean yeah. or negative. But like, you just get this vibe that, and I'm hearing from a number of people around the air, like that Kathleen is kind. They're gonna kind of move Kathleen out and move Feige, and I don't know if that's gonna happen, but. It seems like after this, she did a she did an incredible job. They made a lot of money under Kathleen's stewardship, so that is a major positive in her corner. But I think the fans' uh, reaction to these movies overall, I think that's where they're going to start making changes. And I said this over a year ago on the Resistant broadcast that I don't think Ryan Johnson's going to do his trilogy. I thought they were just going to wait this thing out and see how people reacted. And he's gotten less and less definite about the trilogy happening in his comments over the last few months. So So you think that they are going to listen to the fans even after having a lengthy discussion about how fan service hurt the rise of Skywalker? I think they are going to listen to the fans because the fans are split. I mean that. I don't mean that they're going to go, the fans, well, that's, that's, who do you guys want? I, I don't mean that. I mean that they're hearing the fans' anger and dissension and the mad responses to these movies overall. And they're deci- And I think they know they want to get fans loving it again like they do Mandalorian. And they're going to bring people in who are going to make that happen. I really think that the desperation to be loved is probably what might have hurt it. I like As a major Star Wars fan who definitely wants to see certain things mm. more than others... I wish they would not listen to a word I had to say and just focus on making one really good story. They I don't did. care. I don't care what it's about. Last Jedi. And look what happened. Last Jedi took chances, was bold, was different, a new Star Wars. They didn't listen to the fans. They were going to do something incredibly different. And people got super pissed. So I don't know if it can work in this particular franchise. You make a great point, Perry. I just don't know if it works in this franchise. I think it can work if they separate itself, which is that's the plan from, yeah. from the Skywalker yeah. saga. I yeah, mean, we'll see. That's, yeah. that's one of the biggest challenges with franchises overall. And, you know, it, it's the double-edged sword of a successful mm. franchise is that you get people invested for so many years of their lives. It's like we're always like, you know, chill out. Don't get too carried away with your opinion. But there are a lot of people out there who grew up with Star Wars mm. where these characters are, are – very important in their lives and I understand that dedication to the franchise and I understand that kind of reaction when something very upsetting happens to a character that you love and I think the second we step away from that and explore fresh territory in Star Wars then it gives them the ability to create just a really good story from the ground up with a new character but you know that's the ups and downs of having a franchise with people involved you're gonna have strong opinions I think you hit the nail on the head with that I mean to me, I look at this franchise, that, especially these last three films, is that they just never found their footing. They mm-hmm. never found, like, they introduced all these new characters who they, like, you know, obviously they wanted to sell and there was different reasons for putting them in there and embracing diversity and all this stuff. But they never let them kind of have their own adventure. Right. It was always so dependent on the classics, and I think that's what really hurt this movie at the end of the day because you have the people who grew up watching this and, like, a lot of them feel like this is a good conclusion and, like, oh, this is what the best there they were. can do. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, the new fans who are kind of like, but I like these characters and they're relying so heavily on the other ones. I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, so, it's so weird when you have uh, a franchise that's 40 year, you know, over 40 years old and there's so much love and it's so ingrained in pop culture 
what to do. And I think what Perry says, right. I think they just, instead of doing these episodes, they should have just created new characters and gave them their own story. Yeah. I, you know, I see that logic obviously, but I also know that these are star Wars fans. I mean, raise a new character. Mandalorian is a good example of that. Minus baby Yoda, but that's like, yeah. And Bobby Yoda is pretty much loved and Babu Frick as well. is pretty much loved. And don't even get me started on that. That racist stereotype. Oh Oh, my God. Wow. Babu Frick. Frick or whatever the heck the damn thing's called. What? Yeah, it's like Watto in the freaking first one. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Okay. I didn't read it that way. Yeah. But you get those three middle... Cute merchandise. Yeah. Sell it. Buy it. You Doll get... coming soon. I the... enjoyed them. After those three middle and episodes. And I enjoyed Dio for that matter. Yeah, Dio was great. Those three middle episodes in The Mandalorian... <laughs> were not well received by a lot of the fans and so fans were starting to turn on the Mandalorian until <laughs> that last episode then everybody's back on board now so you know I don't think it's I don't think it matters at all if it's newer or old. I think fans are just they want to be happy and satisfied so I don't know one other thing to throw in the mix right now mm. that I don't think we've had as much in years past is how much content there is out there it's yes. like that is yeah. not, it's not That's just anonymity point. on the internet now that I'm thinking about it it's also a matter of there is so much out there mm. we have to be so precious about our time and where we spend it and you know maybe the love it or hate it thing kind of comes from that if you don't love 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 something it took you away from something else that you could have watched yeah. right now so maybe that's a factor here too yeah I, yeah i don't know but i don't know i guess i guess I, I just feel like you know these are these are just, these are movies and they're fun to explore and they don't work out they don't work out and we can all move on to the next thing it's okay but the 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 toxicity is what we have to find a way to diffuse because I, I see people who are not. How can I say this? Correctly? I see people on the on Twitter who are like heartbroken at at how much they love this movie and how much people are coming after them. Like Peter Serretta slash film is he? He's like I went. I, I thought I was there was something wrong with me, and then I went with ten other friends to see it again, and those ten loved it, and it made me feel a lot more comfortable in my opinion. And I was like, Peter Serretta should not be shaken about his opinion because other people are coming at him for it. But that's how yeah. deep this fandom can be sometimes or how toxic the responses can be both positively and negatively whether you hate it or like the movie or, but I feel like that's that's with anything now that's that's what the difference well is. that's what JJ was saying right yeah, it's like, everything it's just, yeah. it is really everything yeah. it's like there's Green Book go back to Green Book we can go to Joker there's, there's like yeah. I mean you have there's a franchise a non-franchise movie and everyone's like, how dare you like this movie? It's racist, blah, blah, blah. Todd Phillips, Joker doesn't say anything at all. It's just, you know, negative. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Jesus. It's just, it's just the way everything is. It's just yeah. a culture of hate. And I will say that a lot of people say the word social media, and I think they, they use that, that term too freely. It's Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. It's not social media. It's Twitter. Because I had Facebook for a very long time prior to Twitter. And I can say my opinion. Other people had different opinions, and it never really took off. It's Twitter just gave every single person like this ability to become like a newscaster or a reviewer <laughs> or whatever. And my God, it's just the level of hate on everything. Well, it's I'll, just amazing. I'll throw Instagram in the mix too. A lot of people run from Instagram uh, because their response. In fact, Britney Spears over the weekend posted a picture, a video of her Christmas tree, but then spoke about the toxic negative messages she's been receiving in the last few posts, and she's encouraging people not to be this way. So it just yeah. goes all around. I think it's a trickle down effect, right? Yeah. So like it, it really, but I think Twitter is responsible for a lot of it. Where's this it, anger it, coming from? 
I don't, I don't know. What Just are we because so people angry think about? they can. A lot can. of things. Yeah. A lot of things. That's that's about? probably why it's so difficult to eradicate. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to do our little part here on Movie Talk. We're going to have civil conversations yes. no matter how much you love or dislike a movie. Even if you're in the middle, that's a valid opinion, too. And we will all be wonderful and civil to each Truth. other. Yeah. All right. But let's move on to, uh, to another topic. Uh, something, I know. Something that got ripped to shreds on the Internet. Uh, we have an update on... On cats for you. So, like I teased in the box office section, that movie it opened so far below expectations. Yeah. Six point five million dollars. That is an itty bitty amount of money for a movie with a reported production budget of ninety five to a hundred million dollars. And apparently, this isn't even the end of it because I believe it's THR reporting that Universal is still working on the movie and they're going to have a new version delivered to theaters soon. And it's said that this new version is going to have some improved visual effects. I have many, many questions. Um, first, do you think, both of you have seen the movie, yeah. do you think that improved visual effects can make a difference? No. That movie is just not good from top to bottom, and it was, a, it was kind of, it wasn't interesting, it was kind of boring. You have a fantastic cast. I, w- I, I'm not say, I walked out an hour and 20 minutes in the movie because I just like, I, I don't know what's happening, I don't know what's going on. I don't, and I don't care about any of these characters, and I'm moving on. I didn't even care about the visual. I don't care about that stuff. Can you tell me a story? Can you sing? Can you make the connection? And am I understanding? And am I, am I emotionally invested in the story? I was not. And well, so, they- I, I, you know, Disney removing a wedding band is not going to make me all of a sudden like the movie. They so. can definitely sing. They can, absolutely. Like, I, yeah. I'll give it to that cast. They gave it their all. Yeah, and, and dance. Even though I was dying a little inside watching them do this, I, I applaud mm. them all day long for that. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't really know what visual effects could use improve yeah. I, like, it is what it is and even though i do th- i think the movie is absolutely ridiculous i yeah. think someone very early on should have raised you know the white flag and said we got to give up on this and you know use our money elsewhere but in the, in the end result when you do watch things like like the hair on the cats move mm-hmm. their tails their ears i mean that is visual effects you know mastery there they had a great visual effects team it's just that the idea of putting visual effects cat elements on a living breathing human being was just a piss poor idea from the start also the decision to put these uh, children faces on mice on mice and on these cockroaches like and then having them be chased by human beings that is terrifying and so to me overall that's the scary part of the movie that it doesn't make any sense to me and i was told by someone at the screening from universal pictures that tom hooper was still editing the film as we were going into the screening and then that's the reason he didn't go to the junket and it was like oh my god so what why not just push it what's the rush just push it the the, what's amazing about this is that as someone who grew up on the east coast and saw this on broadway oh yeah all the time and like again remembers the commercials Mm -hmm. and all that stuff this is one of like the weirdest broadway musicals of like all time okay um people it's a product of its time and even during its time was kind of like kind of mixed reaction from it but then at least like when you watch it on stage there's this element of like the the costumes and Mm -hmm. being kind of like really creative and unique Mm -hmm. and the set design and whatnot I could not believe how much I hated this movie. I mean, I, 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 I was one of the few people who was like, this movie's not going to be that bad. 
Right. I was one of the few people who was like that because I love musicals and I always want to see more of them. But the reality of this is, is this movie is just a train wreck in every, every sense of the word. Um, I, I, the visuals are awful in the movie because like, it's just like you said, it's like creepy mm-hmm. for like the sake of being creepy and like why they decided to go the CGI route makes zero sense to me with how great wardrobe and costume design could be nowadays. You could have done a great thing like, and probably done it for half the budget yeah. and it probably wouldn't be as big of a loss, but furthermore, like how do you have this A-list cast? And I mean, and then you have like Jennifer Hudson, Taylor Swift, regardless of how people feel about them uh, as singers or performers, whatever, they both have great singing voices mm. and they can do the content that they're given in a musical and why you have Taylor Swift write a song with Andrew Lloyd Webber and not have her perform the song in the movie is mind boggling. Mm. But furthermore, how she only appears in the movie for five minutes when she's being sold as like a big part of the movie. And then Jennifer Hudson basically not being in the movie all that I much mean, either. Bar- I, I barely. Don't, I don't understand. And it's just everything about it is distracting. I mean, Rebel Wilson basically being Rebel Wilson in a cat suit. I, I don't understand mm. like the decisions, like you said, white flags all over the place. Stop production. Done. We're done. <laughs> Put it on a streaming service whenever Peacock comes out. Like, done. The like, thing no with more. the visual effects, though, where I do want to give those individuals uh, the credit they deserve is, like, this was the direction they were given. Oh, and sure. when, when you think about the direction that certain individuals that worked on this project were given, they did what I imagine mm. they were told to do. It's just the whole way that all of this was envisioned from day one, I think, was was off. And, you know, I, I never did see the stage production. The only thing I knew of Cats going into the movie were the most popular songs in it. And when I saw what the story wound up being and when I heard a little bit about what made the experience on stage so special to people is I also think it came from the fact that they broke the fourth wall and you can't Mm. do certain things like that. When you take certain elements like that out of the show while you're putting it on screen... It, it takes away a little bit of the playful nature of it. And the movie just comes across as something that's taking itself so seriously. And, and that's what makes it especially difficult to yeah. watch. But what I want to know from you guys is what your thoughts are on this business decision to keep tinkering. Because it doesn't say anything in this report yeah. about this upping the budget. But one would imagine if they're it still working to, right. on visual effects and if they're delivering a new version to theaters out there, that this is going to cost them even more than it already has. Is it like, should they just chalk it up as a loss I at this point should, and move on? They should. And I mean, if they're worried about anything, just wait for it to come on Blu-ray or digital and, fix, and have it fixed yeah, by yeah, then. Yeah. Because... All it's doing is you already have so much negative press from this movie as it is. And those who even are seeing it, you know, the cinema score, I believe, was a C-plus on this. It wasn't that strong. Don't waste your time. There's, yeah. you, you, got, you got a great movie coming out in a couple of days that Universal's doing called 1917. Put your dollars behind yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah. Push that movie forward. You had a good year overall. They had you know, mm-hmm. Hobbs and Shaw. They had us. You got it. Cut your losses. Warner Brothers needs to learn how to do that. Yeah, I just. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously. So this <laughs> this would never ever happen. But I think what they should have done is embraced the terribleness of the movie and turned it into like 
a midnight type movie sensation. Oh, sure. I thought like the, like the talent, the talent involved never would have let that happen with all the work they put in. But I feel like if they had really pushed it harder as like this, like outrageous experience for everybody to enjoy together in a packed house, mm. like in the middle of the night. I don't know. But maybe do you the, even think that's this movie is that fun? Yeah. Like I didn't even think this I, movie was well, it's fun. A, it is. It is definitely one of the most memorable communal viewing experiences I've had all year. I was giggling the entire time and I'm not saying it's a good thing to laugh at a movie and not with it but there is a real sense of entertainment that I've found in that and I can't just completely throw that in the trash either is it because they boozed you up no did you I, didn't, not, I didn't have a single you, drink before you, you no. didn't go to that you didn't go no, to the screening where they did all that no. I, I didn't go to that screening either but I mean to me watching this movie was like my Broadway heart was breaking watching this movie, yeah. and I didn't feel. Maybe, I didn't feel. Well, maybe like, my my you know uh, bizarre sense of enjoyment out yeah. of this came from the fact that I had absolutely no connection to the original yeah. whatsoever. And you have a cat, so you have like there's a fun. <laughs> I mean, there's a part you love your cat madly, I love and there's I part love of it. How you know? seriously you just said I'm just that? Saying, because that's part of it. You know, uh, if you love them, you have a little more. Proclivity. I had like a little bit of a hard time looking at Dewey when I got <laughs> that's home. Fair. That's fair. Like, what are you? Are you looking at me? Are you going to sing a song? No, uh, yeah, I, I, this is the first time I've ever heard of a director's cut coming out after a film just is f- bombs at the box office. Like, usually you, you want to get more money for people to come in. I really doubt people are going to go like, oh, is this Tom Hooper's cut? Now I'm going to go see <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Now I'm going to go see it because they still can't get the Snyder cut. So. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, the story is still the story, yeah. you know, and a lot of people I spoke to who saw the show said it's not that good of a musical anyway. So what, yeah. you, what you were hoping is that Hollywood would have changed. And that's true for a lot of the Lloyd Webber stuff. The Lloyd Webber stuff does not hold up the way Sondheim stuff holds up. Right, right. Sondheim stuff is always going to be classic. The Weber stuff was of its time, and it rarely crosses over and does well. Look at that fan of opera, a fan of the opera movie with uh, the Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Nobody liked that either. So, like, if you were thinking of doing a Starlight Express or Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, I'd stop production, to be honest with you, and move on because this is this is another example, another Weber that doesn't cross over. Yeah. All right. Well. That's that's what's up with Star Wars and cats. Uh, yeah. Before we move on to our thanks for that. Before we move on to our last topic of the day, we got some cool stuff coming your way on the Collider Video YouTube channel today. Like Rule of Two. Here's a promo. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of Two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, Rule of Two is that show. It drops in on Collider Video's main YouTube channel as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of... (laughs) So, this, I believe, is our last live episode of Movie Talk for the year, but don't worry, we have you covered through the holidays. A couple things to keep an eye out for is uh, there is going to be a December 24th episode of Collider Live and a December 25th episode of Movie Talk, and that one's going to be our best of 2019 episode. We hit a whole bunch of topics, our favorites of the year, but in addition to that, there's also a couple personal top fives of 2019 going up so if you want to know our rankings for the end of the year you're going to be able to see that soon as well all right moving on to a movie that's hopefully coming out in 2020 (laughs) we've been talking about uh the new mutants for a long long time we know that things haven't been going well with that movie with rumored reshoots uh executives not agreeing on the tone of the movie um just the movie getting caught up in the whole fox disney thing well 
the movie ended up getting an April 3rd, 2020 release date, and Disney had announced that after the acquisition was approved, but we haven't really heard much about it since then. But Josh Boone recently took to, it was Instagram, I believe. He had an exchange with a, with a fan account called New Mutants Up. They were asking when we're going to get another trailer, and he said soon, January. So there is a trailer on the horizon. We also have a report from uh, Bloody Disgusting, and their sources are saying that as of the writing of this article about this story, a theatrical release is still planned. So with a new trailer coming out in January, do you think that that April 2020 release is the real deal finally? Oh, you guys. What a bummer. Probably. I can already tell by your faces. No, 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 no. They're probably going to put it out. What? Because they're like, we got to get it out. In theaters. Yeah. I think think it's going to come out. They put Dark Phoenix out, so... They got nowhere to go but up. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to come out. I think because there isn't a mythology or stuff we've seen before that's attached to this. This can be its own thing. And if Disney comes in, and remember uh, the director said like they brought people in quickly to get the, the you know to get people on to do the reshoots. They brought the cast together quickly. So I figure all this effort would be for not if they don't drop it and see how it does in the theaters. And maybe they make some changes, put some MCU, sprinkle some MCU magic on this thing and mm. make it great. And when it comes out, people are like, damn, this is awesome. Sinkavich was on that podcast, Batman uh, and Batman podcast, and said, you know, the, the trailer gave me chills. And Sinkavich is not one of these guys that's going to lie like James Cameron does sometimes to get you to go see a Terminator film. He's not going to lie to get you about his feelings about these kinds of things. So to me, that, that all points positively that it's going to come out. I just think we've been burned so many times by this thing. You know, all of them are like two years older now, all the actors. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, mean, I thought it was interesting where they were like, it looks good now. And I'm like, kind of like, how? Like, I mean, like... How do they manage to pull that off? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. A lot of films, like, a lot of people talk about films that come out in their first screening when they go, and there's, like, completely terrible. They make the adjustments, and the film is great. So it's I really possible. believe in Josh Boone. I yeah. think he's a talented filmmaker, and when he attaches himself to something, yeah. I'd like to think it's going to be at a certain level, if not above that. I know this one has gone through, you know, it's a very weird situation that we don't see very often, but I would still like to think, especially if he's going out of his way to respond to something like that, I would like to think that he is in a, at least a decent place as far as how the movie turned mm. out. But, you know, I've gotten in my head what Jeff said on Movie Talk on Friday. He doesn't think they're going to release it at all. And he thinks that they should just, you know, not release it, period. Mm. You have characters in here that could be good to take on into Marvel. And the second you release this movie, it kind of puts that out there. So why not just, like, kind of, you know, shove it under the rug and move on? Well, I which, think that, which I don't want to happen because right. I genuinely want to see I the think movie. the reason what they could do with this is... They can put it out, and they can kind of see which of the actors people respond to, which of the characters people respond to, and then considering how much it makes, they can either think about, hey, maybe we can have a new Disney Plus show or something like that. I don't know. I mean, get creative, right? We're in an industry full of creativity. So, like, maybe that's what they can do with that. They can take that out and, like, look at it and see how people react to certain people. There's always characters. I mean, you talked about it with with our Star Wars discussion. There's there's a couple characters in there who maybe they can take out and give them, like, a little series or something. A Zori Bliss series would be fantastic. Right. Get Carrie Russell to do that right. It would be fantastic. Right. So who knows what this? You don't – you don't – I think we have this – and I think this is where, like, DC has been really – uh, been great lately is they've been doing these standalone things yeah, yeah. and I think you never know just take a character 
America and give it your own. Also, Try you're di- something. You also, you're dizzying up billions of dollars. Right. You, know, you, you, you take losses every once in a while. I'll put this out. See if people respond yeah. to it. Jeff's just a negative Nancy. That's his, yeah. that's his nature. So, But listen, I think they should put it out. Just see how people respond. You make a great point. Maybe there's a character they attach to, and then that could be something in the future down the road. Why not? To be fair to Jeff, he did make some good points in that conversation mm-hmm. that made me understand his perspective. It's just that I've been so excited about this movie since yeah. that first trailer, and I'm a big fan of Boone, so I just I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always going to root for it to actually get a theatrical release. Well, Fingers crossed that happens. Let's take some uh, live chat questions before we have to say goodbye. I feel like I need to I need to look out for some holiday themed ones. Here's one from Ragu Sharma who wants to know what is your favorite movie to watch over Christmas. Uh, I actually just went and saw it on the big screen, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a classic. classic. Very classic. Uh, still holds up, and it just goes to show you like how just a really good story and good characters can sell a movie. Yeah. And it, there's so much heart in it, but there's so much comedy, and even the comedy mm-hmm. works. Like You're sitting there watching a movie that's 30 years old, and people are still laughing at it, and it still works today. Mm-hmm. I can't say my favorite line of the movie. Yeah, it says "Watch your language." <laughs> so I can't say my favorite. But uh, I, for me, it's always "It's a Wonderful Life." But Elf is like quickly overtaking that because um, I love, just love Elf and the sweetness of that movie. But "It's a Wonderful Life" is such an important message. I go see it on the big screen every Christmas that I stay in LA because it's cool. It's cool yeah. to see it on the in the big screen like that. I think when I'm home with my family, we often watch. Like the ruins and Final Destination. <laughs> you know, we really do. I'm kind of not even joking. Whenever we're in the same room together, we usually put on a horror movie. But one thing that's become a tradition for my family for when I go home to New York for all the holidays is we we binge watch uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel together. Aww, so I'm very excited yes, to yes. go home and start that because uh, I find that show delightful. It is delightful. Did yeah. you, you didn't watch any of I haven't of touched any of okay. season three. It's excellent. And I'm pissed because my mom cheated. Like she started watching it with Without me, and I'm, I'm kind of mad about it. <laughs> we binged that so quickly, man. Yeah. It's like, oh my Mama god, yeah. Mama, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Rachel Brosnahan is yeah. so good. All right, let's see if we can get one more question here. Hmm. Oh my god, I cannot pronounce this name for the life of me. Um, I, uh, I'm not even. I'm not even going to try. Roka, do you want to read this for me? Uh, where is it? It's got a whole lot of accents on it. Oh, accents. Oh, there you go. Aren't you lucky? I'm going to throw Roka under the bus with this uh, one. You see the one I have highlighted? Yes. Uh, Asigul Oslu. I'll take it. Yeah. That'll I'll be take it. it. Oslu daughter. That question is, what, <laughs> what do you guys think are the most underrated performances of the year? Okay. What's the definition of underrated? That means people didn't give it enough love? Yeah. yeah. Like, my, my example okay. would be, and I believe I'm finally pronouncing his name right, Matthias Schoonartz oh, yeah. in The Mustang, because that's a movie that I think should be getting a little bit of awards consideration. It's not, but in particular for his performance in it, which yeah. I think is hands down one of the best of the year. But that movie, you know, it, it kind of came and went. I think it got largely positive reviews, but mm. it didn't kick off the buzz that I think that performance warranted. Uh, this is a tough one. I feel like there was a lot this year. Um, I'll take one that has gotten zero love, and I would say Dark Waters. Uh, mm. I would say Mark Ruffalo in that movie. You can tell he's incredibly passionate about the film mm-hmm. and telling that story, but I just just did not pick up. And I, I think 
the release date really hurt that and the last minute push. There was a lot of things around that time that were geared towards older audiences and I think that got gobbled up. I think a little bit that happened with Richard Jewell. There was oh, just yeah. so oh, Richard there, Jewell's a great example. There were just so many <sighs> movies vying for that space that, you know, I think Knives Out and Queen and Slim got most of it. You critics, yeah. you killed Richard Jewell, you critics. And Just uh, Mercy. They I, I, kill that too. And Just Mercy, they probably, and Bombshell didn't do so well no, either, Bombshell. so I don't know where that goes. Um, just Mercy, a Christmas release? Yeah, but it's not going to, it's not going to. It's not tracking. I haven't, I haven't tracking checked out the tracking yeah. yet. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I would say Paul Walter Hauser and Richard Jewell. Yeah. Yeah. No one's talking yeah. about it. He's fantastic. Um, I'll, for, I've, I've said this before a million times already. I'm sorry to repeat myself, but I think Jimmy Fails and Jonathan Majors in Last Black Man in San Francisco, no one is talking about how incredible they are. I think Kelvin Harrison is getting buzz amongst us, but not amongst the mainstream oh, God, about yeah. what he did in Waves and Loose. I mean, like, if you cut together all the clips from Movie Talk where we talk about him, yeah. Yeah. we should yeah. we should just like put it out there yeah, as a yeah, reel yeah. for him yeah. or something. There's someone else that was on the tip of my tongue, and I can't well, even uh, you know bringing up Kelvin uh, Sterling mm. K. Brown sure. in Waves. I feel like yeah. he's on the cusp of could get into the awards conversation, but I'm I'm a little afraid that he's going to get bumped out. But yeah. I think Shia? his his supporting oh, oh my yeah, gosh, Shia, he's right. a great example. Yeah, it's like between between his performances in Peanut Butter Falcon and Honey Boy, and the fact that he wrote the Honey Boy script. Yeah. I just I don't want him to be completely forgotten in the awards conversation either. Yeah, but I think he is going to be. Sadly, I think mm. there was only two or three critic groups so Tis far. A have yeah. even put him in for nominations. I would say the same thing about Jesse Buckley in Wild Rose. Yeah. One yeah. of the best uh, best actress performances of the year. Not going to get a nomination, right. sadly. But yeah. maybe it'll get into best song. Increase. For sure. I think so. Increase the number of nominations. Increase it. I don't know. That's it's a much it doesn't have to a go much to larger discussion, though. It's I like increase think... the amount of nominations, then it then it lessens the value of each nomination. Does it does. Does. I don't think it does. And then, before, and then before we know it, we get to ten nominations, and it's like, well, what about this one, this one, and this one? And then all of a sudden, you're you're begging for fifteen. But at least at ten, you're fine. At least also, you don't you don't know that for I, sure. I, I know, it depends I mean, on like, the year. Of course, there'll be people who want eleven, twelve, thirty-four. Of course, but having gone to 10 I think is such a <laughs> massive deal and you won't and you won't most likely get to 10 because they made it almost nearly impossible to get to 10 best pictures so I'd be surprised if you get to 10 best performances I, I think you know how I feel about this and the same goes with like creating categories and whatnot there are so many more movies that are released that's nowadays. what I'm getting at there's more content so now. much more that so you kind of like more and more rules. have the opportunity of being snubbed and overlooked so do something. Restructure. It's like, I don't Look, know. they made the Constitution in 1776. <laughs> They're still adding amendments. You know why? Because things change. Yeah. And things have changed over the last 10 years of the amount of content. The streaming services oh that are all gosh, now doing, yeah. doing new content, there is way more movies than we had before, so way more great performances. <laughs> and what a shock. There's way more great actors of diversity, of uh, female actors as well getting... There's way more yeah. opportunities. So way more opportunities. You're seeing, oh, well, they can act. What a surprise. Yes, more opportunities, more nominations. Oh, boy. All right. And Parasite, damn it. <laughs> Old Man Roca has spoken, and that's a wrap on this episode of Movie Talk. Again, this is our last live episode before 2020, but we have you covered with so much content. So keep tuning in at 9 a.m. There's some great conversations in the mix. Thank you guys so much Thank for being you. here no today. Thank you Roca, for having me. Scott, happy holidays. Happy you New too. Year. Same to you in the booth. Adam and Doreen in the live chat. And to everybody out there watching the show, be safe. Have a wonderful time with your friends and family. We will see you in 2020. Like and share this video and head on over to Collider Live right now. 
Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Stay little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 